1: This this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio
0: and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: May 24th of last year. May 24th, 2018. That is when we began the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Our race to the start of the college football season. On September 1st, we had the first full Saturday of the college football season. 128 days later, we sit on January 7th, 2019. And tonight... We crown a national champion, Alabama and Clemson, in the college football playoff national championship game. A 5 p.m. kickoff on the West Coast, 7 o'clock here in the Central Time Zone. In Santa Clara tonight at kickoff, supposed to be 58 degrees and cloudy. There's almost no chance of rain, just a light wind out of the south. Not bad football weather on the 7th day of January. Good Monday afternoon It's Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Good to have you along for the ride. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey. Brian Scott Rippey will join us in just a little while. Brian Haydad will be along later this afternoon. Hope you had a great weekend. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, MSLandBank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got financing needs as it pertains to land of any kind, whether it's actually buying property or something associated with buying property, maybe it's building a house or a shop, Or a cabin, maybe it's equipment needs, whatever it is that you need. Mississippi Land Bank has been financing land and everything that goes with it for over a 100 years. You can find a branch location online at mslandbank.com. You can also find the phone number to give them a call. If you're in North Mississippi and you have land financing needs, Mississippi Land Bank is where you go. National championship game tonight. Alabama a a five-and-a-half point favorite over Clemson. What's up, Michael Borky?
3: Uh, just getting ready to be sad for the next few months because football is coming to an end
2: well in uh, a little what just a hair over five months we'll start down the the, the countdown of a hundred teams in a hundred days what about a hundred fifty days or so from uh, from right now it uh, we're just it, really fortunate
3: here really and truly because in this business let's just say in Tennessee people in Nashville I guess they have the preds to, to tide them over as well but once the draft ends and it's the end of April and May, they've got nothing to do until football season. We at least have baseball that has high interest here that carries us after March Madness into the summer right before media days begins.
2: Well, and this year, not only do you have baseball, you've got basketball that uh, is producing some pretty good storylines. Mississippi State in the top 25 and Sitting at 12 and one, still waiting to make their SEC debut. That comes up tomorrow night on the road against South Carolina. Ole Miss coming off a win on the road to start SEC play. They're off to an 11 and two start. Those two teams, Mississippi State and Ole Miss will meet in six days in Starkville. Uh, Ole Miss got a huge game on Wednesday night at home against Auburn, who's what a, uh, I guess a top 15 team. So yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. I mean, Listen, in the state of Alabama, it's all they care about. So so one state to our east, are they going to stop talking about football just because the championship game ends tonight or the draft's coming up in, in three months? No, they'll continue to do that. That That's what they want. I kind of like the diversity. No, not from where you and I sit, I love the diversity. I, as much as I love college football and football period, I don't want to do it 365 days out of the year. I, I don't at all. would go insane if we had to do that. I mean, I started following what was going on in basketball in November, which is a lot earlier than a lot of people do. <laughs> we are, what, five and a half weeks from the start of the college baseball season. Five weeks from this Friday, college baseball begins, and you know how big a deal that is where we are. So, yeah, certainly fortunate. Um, but even without looking ahead at this point, you just look back to the weekend we had. Another pretty good sports weekend. Got excuse me, got started on Saturday with the uh, the NFL playoffs and a bunch of SEC basketball. Colts beat the Texans 21 to 7 and it was like they didn't really even break a sweat. I watched very very little. Uh, almost none of that basketball game. Um uh, I'm sorry, of that football game.
3: You didn't Did you miss watch much. much. I mean, it was boring as can be. And, and Deshaun Watson, I, I think, is is going to be a really good quarterback, is a really good quarterback, by all accounts, is a good kid. I think he, he in the second half of that game, kind of showed his rear end. Uh, down three scores. And, Richard, he ran for a couple first downs and was getting up and celebrating, like doing first down signals and, and stuff like that. Down three scores in the second half of a football game where they have no chance of winning. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time I've seen something from him I didn't like. I was really surprised by that because otherwise he does everything right. Yeah. Uh, But that was a game they were never in from the jump. The Colts were just better. Well, and your point about Deshaun Watson growing
2: into an elite quarterback in the NFL, that may very well happen, and he's really good even right now. But when you put him on the same field with Andrew Luck, there there is a large gap between those two guys. And you know when we talked with John Harris last week about that, he you know he alluded to the fact with how good he thought Andrew Luck was. Cowboys got it done against Seattle on uh, on Saturday night. They won it twenty four twenty two. Cowboys uh, uh, that game never got out of hand, but it really felt like for the most part the Cowboys were in control. It, d- do you agree with that? They're just so
3: good defensively. You never worry about them. And facing an elite quarterback in Russell Wilson, who's been hot. I mean, really hot up until that game,
2: but, uh, big plays by Dak down the stretch. Ezekiel Elliott had a nice game for the Cowboys as well. Um, this was uh, coming out party is not fair to say for a guy who was the rookie of the year a couple of seasons ago, took a step back in his second year, has been good really most of this season. But to do it on that stage in a wild card game setting in the NFL playoffs, making big, big plays. And frankly, it felt like they kind of, it was almost like they took the kid gloves off or took the training wheels off and remembered, oh, Dak can make plays with his legs, not just with his arms. And he made some big ones down the stretch.
3: Yeah. And if they're going to, if they want to go to LA and win, they have to let him run the ball. Because he's not beating, he is not beating the Rams just throwing the football. And it's not an indictment on him. That's just the reality of the situation.
2: Chargers went all the way across the country to Baltimore. Kind of yucky weather. The Ravens put up a fight late. Felt like the Chargers were in control of that game for the most part. It turned out to be a six point game. 23 17. LA gets the win. Um, Boy, Lamar Jackson just really, really struggled for, what, about three quarters of that game, maybe even four-fifths of that game. He made some plays in the fourth quarter that gave them a chance. Strip sack or strip fumble late in the game ended up sealing it when the Ravens had the ball with a chance to go down and possibly even win the football game. But, boy, Lamar Jackson's got a long way to go.
3: Yeah, and he struggled until the game didn't matter anymore is the way that I think is best described it. And you're always going to have people, especially college football people, that will defend him to no end. But he is just a rookie. That was just his eighth start of his career. But like you said, throwing the football, the Chargers were not worried about him throwing the ball for the entirety of the game. And the strategy was the right one. They loaded up to stop the run, dared him to beat them with his arm, and he couldn't do it. And and
2: it's a really interesting look to sit there and watch Joe Flacco – who is a Super Bowl-winning quarterback on the sideline
3: when you have no ability to throw the football. They had negative two passing yards in the second half of a football game with a Super Bowl-winning quarterback sitting on the sidelines. And then maybe the, uh, the the
2: toughest beat or the toughest loss of the weekend goes to the Chicago Bears. Everybody's calling it a double doink made the uh, the field goal, but a timeout was called, got to kick it all over again, hits the left upright, bounces down, hits the crossbar, kicks back into the end zone, would have been a game-winning field goal instead. Philadelphia, the reigning Super Bowl champs, stay alive with a 16-15 win over the Chicago Bears in Chicago. Kind of a defensive struggle. I didn't think any of the four games were just, like, great can't-miss TV this
3: weekend, but really they were all pretty close, with the exception of Colts-Texans. Yeah, and three of the four had really drama for different reasons. The drama in Baltimore was, why isn't Joe Flacco going in the game? But the other two, I mean, there was some late-game drama, and that's all we really ask for in playoff games, right? Yeah, I mean, you'd love to have the game that's like this back-and-forth seesaw you're afraid
2: to change the channel in a commercial break because you might miss something, you didn't get that this weekend. It sets up Indianapolis at Kansas City, the Chargers at New England, so they'll go across the country for the second consecutive week. Dallas heads west to face the Rams, and Philadelphia will be in the Dome. So that was the playoffs this weekend. Ole Miss wins at Vanderbilt, Tennessee. Boy, they beat Georgia by 46, an almost 50-point win in the SEC opener. Alabama gets a victory. They hang on at the end as Kentucky missed a shot at the buzzer. So Bama wins at home against Kentucky. What a finish with South Carolina and Florida as the Gamecocks, who Mississippi State will face tomorrow. Get a win in Gainesville. Championship game coming up tonight. We'll talk with Russ Mitchell from Santa Clara, coming up just after four o'clock this afternoon. Just getting started in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Time for the U Sports Talk, Mississippi, streaming online at Supertalk.fm. Good to be with you on a Monday afternoon, national championship game in college football coming your way tonight. Games on ESPN, they're doing the whole mega cast thing, so there are about 50 different ways that you can watch the game, including uh, the the novel concept of flipping it on ESPN and watching Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet and who's it Tom Rinaldi and Maria Taylor, I think uh, are on the sidelines. Hey, is landing a job, a better job, or furthering your education one of your New Year's resolutions? Whether it's a technical, career program, or university prep classes, Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College has something for everyone. The JT Show will be on their campus in Perkinston on Wednesday. As they get ready for spring registration, start the enrollment process now, and begin working toward the career of your dreams. For more info, go to mgccc.edu. Brian Scott Rippey joins us right now. He made a one-day round trip to Nashville for the SEC opener for uh, Ole Miss and
4: Vanderbilt. First time you'd been in uh, in Memorial? It was. It is a um, it is an interesting place. It is it, like I couldn't decide what I thought of it for a while. I think I like it, but it is certainly unlike any other place I've ever been in. I think people have always referred to it as like an old-style
2: opera house. I mean, it's like you've got big, as opposed to the seating kind of being all the way around or in an oval, you've got seating on the side and then this, we'll just call it like a really oversized column in the corner, and then seating in the end zone and then another column in the corner, and then seating on the side and the same thing in the other end zones. I don't know if I described that well or not, but it it's like there, there are these massive... 90-degree columns in the four corners of the building. And so if you're sitting up top in one of the corners, the sight lines aren't real good. It doesn't have that, like, in-the-round effect. But you're right on top of the floor, and the students are, like, right down against the floor. It's it's a it's a challenging road environment. Of course,
4: you've got the, um, uh, the benches on the ends. Yeah, and they let the coaches... I don't know if this is always the case, but they let the coaches walk up... The near sideline now. So the benches are on the, the baselines next to the basket, obviously, but it was weird seeing Kermit and Bryce Drew just walk up and basically meet each other at, mid-court. at half court. Yeah. Because yeah. they're way away from the benches, um, which was cool. It's just like you don't, it's weird seeing a coach that far away from his bench.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you've watched Vanderbilt, you've seen that game. You don't have to describe the uh, the venue to you. Yeah. Um, it was a good win for Ole Miss. That's not an easy place to play if you are the road team. Ole Miss is actually now one in four consecutive trips to uh, to Memorial, and we've talked about this Ole Miss schedule and kind of looking ahead for a while now. Any any formula or um, scenario that you created that had Ole Miss being in contention in the SEC, remaining in the conversation as the season goes along for an NCAA tournament bid, or postseason play of any kind, it included a win in the SEC opener at Vanderbilt, which wasn't an easy thing to do,
4: but Ole Miss goes on the road and gets it done. Yeah, and they didn't... I I didn't feel like they played well for decently long stretches of that game, but really in that second half, they... You know, Bree and Tyree kind of carried them offensively. Terrence Davis, who had a really frustrating night offensively for most of the game, was really good the last eight minutes, and then they kind of committed to that 2-3 zone, and, and it really disrupted Vanderbilt down the stretch, and they got a lot of stops in, in some key possessions down towards the end of the game. And so they they won the game, which was good, and it's good for confidence because you know they won one road game last year, and it came in March. But To me, the manner in which they closed out the game, it was clean. They got stops. They hit free throws down the stretch. It was kind of the sign of what a good team does in a a tough league.
2: You could make the argument that Ole Miss wins the game at the free throw line. They were 19 of 22, shot 86% from the free throw line for the game. Vanderbilt was 17 of 29. So they missed 12 free throws and really hit, I think, either four in a row or six in a row at the end to kind of help that percentage out. Uh, they shoot 59% from the line. Quick kind of glance at the box score. Four players in double figures for Ole Miss. Um, Blake Henson had 11. Devontae Schuler had 11. Terrence Davis had 11, the, all of which came in the second half. But the guy that stands out and the guy that was named SEC Player of the Week this week Brian Tyree. 31 points on 11 of 16 shooting. He hit three threes. He was a perfect six of six from the free throw line. He had four rebounds, three assists, a block, turned it over a couple of times, and played 36 minutes in the game.
4: Yeah, he was really good. And that was kind of the the pinnacle, I guess, of them making the decision in the offseason to move him off the ball. You know, Ole Miss is a much better team there. He's much more effective there. He's... You know, we talked to Kermit Davis earlier today. um, You know about the week ahead and, and a little bit more about the win at Vandy. And he thinks that Brian's finally completely healthy. He had that ACL tear his freshman year. He thinks he's not thinking about it anymore. He's super explosive off the bounce and probably, as Kermit said after the game, as one of the best mid-range games in college basketball. And part of that is when he gets up because he's not a big guy, but when he gets up to shoot, he really gets up to shoot. And he's he's efficient when he shoots the ball and can score in a number of different ways. So. And he really cared. He was really their only half-court offense for long stretches of that game because they couldn't get a lot going, particularly in the first half. My
2: favorite shot of the game, I don't know if you could see this in real time or they showed it on a replay, um, in the second half he gets to the free throw line and he elevates and he's got a defender with a hand in his face and he doesn't pull the trigger. He starts coming back down. It's not quite a double clutch. He just kind of hung in the air and then shoots it as he starts to come back down to the floor uh, John Sunvold was the color analyst. He's like, there was a guy for the Bulls that kind of made a living out of that. He was not comparing, by the way, Brian Tyree to Michael Jordan, but it's that shot that you saw where Jordan would kind of hang and start to come down until he released it. To me, that was the most impressive shot of the game. You can only pull that
4: off if you really elevate, though, on your jump shot. And he has the ups. Like he, I remember when he first got to campus, Andy Kennedy compared it—not compared him to Russell Westbrook, but in terms of explosiveness and being able to get up and having that game-changing hops, he compared him to Russell Westbrook in that sense. And you—you know, you can kind of see it. But he was—he was really good. Devontae Shuler didn't have a great offensive night, but was really good for them at point guard, which allows Brian to play off the ball. And they ran good offense down the stretch. They got Dom a basket. They ran a couple sets for Brian, and they got some got some really much-needed buckets down the stretch that really separated them while they were getting stops on the defensive end. It's been kind of a weird year for me with regard
2: to Ole Miss basketball because I just haven't watched them play much. Because I've been traveling or have been away, I haven't broadcast any of their games to to this point. So Saturday night was really kind of the first time that I've sat down and watched them from opening tip to final buzzer. And it's something that we've talked about. I have certainly watched highlights and bits and pieces of games along the way, but something that we've talked about is the level of energy with which they play. You, you've talked some about defense. Yeah, you, know, you give up 71, one three one's kind of the base defense. They went to the 2 three and had some success down the stretch. But as far as bodies flying for loose balls, being active with your hands and just playing at like a really high energy level, I thought that was pretty impressive and and they did that even when they weren't making shots they did that for a solid 40 minutes
4: yeah and that's kind of kermit's calling card and you knew they would be improved defensively when when he took the job and he's gotten them to buy in like you said they still have plenty of defensive breakdowns and it's not always good but they're making breakdowns and making mistakes full speed so they're, they're they're bought in and they're certainly playing with effort and it's helped them. They've won a lot of games where they've had you know long periods where they've kind of slogged offensively, and, and that's really what they've been able to lean on, which you haven't seen in years past. And, and they caught a break, too, and it's kind of a function of bodies flying
2: around and being really active that you can capitalize on this. Inside a minute to go. Uh, Vanderbilt's in fouling mode. Vanderbilt's made a free throw, or they made a shot or something. Brian Tyree's going to inbound it, and he's looking to throw the home run ball, to Terrence Davis on a on a breakaway for a dunk or, or whatever, Davis kind of gets hung up, and so Tyree double clutches and basically just kind of throws it into the ground, and the ball trickles. Looks like it's going to be an easy turnover and a basket for Vanderbilt. It somehow gets tipped
4: around, and Ole Miss ends up with the basketball. Yeah, there were a, lot, a couple plays like that in that game too. It was, you know, and then the thing that stood out to me was they overcame some. I mean, adversity is kind of cliche, but they got down six at one point in the second half. They didn't have much going right. Terrence Davis picks up his fourth foul, and they really kind of buckled down and clawed their way back into it, and then he comes back in. And that, the most impactful stretch of the game, I thought, was when they put him, Terrence Davis back in with four fouls, and they had talked you know all season long about him needing to play through foul trouble and needing to play for a long stretch. He comes in, he hits a mid-range jumper, hits a three, Forces a steal that leads to a sure layup. Ole Miss goes up 65-60, almost you know, single-handedly through that 7-0 run and didn't trail again. So, yeah. big growing moment for him.
2: And, and Terrence Davis's night was basically the first 10 minutes of the game with no production, two quick fouls, out for the rest of the first half, couple of minutes early in the second half, two quick fouls, sits until the 8-minute mark, and then played the last 8 minutes of the game to finish 21 minutes with 11 points and 5 rebounds. To only play 21 minutes, he was pretty productive. You'd just like to see that 21 minutes be like 34 minutes. Going to have to be most of the time going forward. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming with you, supertalk.fm. You can text the show, ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank Online, mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank turning land into life. On the Farm Bureau phone line right now as we begin the 4 o'clock hour from Santa Clara and Levi's Stadium, our buddy Russ Mitchell from College Football News. You can follow him on Twitter at Russ Mitchell CFB. Russ, we started our countdown of 100 teams in 100 days on March 24th of 2018, kicked off the season on September 1st, 128 days later. Here we are crowning a national champion. Never really gets old, does it? No.
1: No. By the way, I'm going to I know I keep threatening to come out there and, and uh, use the Mississippi Land Bank to buy myself some land in Mississippi. But I'm telling you, I'm going to do that. I I I feel like I feel like I could live in Mississippi.
2: It's a good place. My guess yeah, is cost of living might be a little less than than where you are right now. <laughs> Certainly than where you are presently. In yeah. Santa Clara. A uh, little, little more bang for your buck. Um, what are you looking for
1: tonight? Well, I mean, I think you know this is going to be a much different game than the game we saw last year in the semifinal. I mean, they basically threw four long passes last year. Clemson didn't miss them all. So this is going to be a lot more what you saw out of uh, Deshaun Watson being able to not as much running the ball, which Deshaun could do. But, I mean, that kid's got a huge arm. You see it now with the Houston Texans. And you'll get that out of Lawrence. So I I think you're going to see a Clemson team that can – and, you know, this is an Alabama secondary, which has shown some weakness. Georgia threw for over 300 yards in the SEC championship game. We saw OU, granted, a lot of it was catch-up time, but uh, threw, threw for over 300. So if Clemson can spread the ball and and get up to, you know, 250, 300 yards throwing, then I think we'll have a ball game.
2: Um, what. What's the importance of Travis Etienne tonight for for Clemson and and just trying to establish something in the running game?
1: Well, I mean, I think it's key. I mean, it's not as important as as the passing game, but obviously, the running game opens up the passing game. I, you know, you have to remember this is the first time Alabama has allowed more than three yards of carry since 2014. Uh, The difference, if you're an Alabama fan, you're nodding your head and you're saying, "Yeah," but we got a little better as the year went along, and that's. Certainly true, but you know, again, this is a this is a defense. Despite how the defense has improved as the years gone along, this is not a defense that we would put up there with some of the elite Alabama defenses of the past. The one thing that it has been able to do, Rich, is they've been able to rush the passer. Led the SEC in sacks. We saw them put pressure on Oklahoma. I think that you know that's the key for Alabama is being able to get pressure on Lawrence.
2: And then Clemson, they've got that great defensive line. You know, it's interesting, and I know the level of competition is not the same between these two teams, but when you compare the defenses side by side, Clemson has given up fewer points per game by about one. They are allowing fewer yards per game. But I don't know that they faced an offense that's as, as dynamic as this Alabama offense is.
1: No, absolutely not. Not even close, you know, and I mean, there's something to be said for the hardest steel is forged by the you know, the hottest flame. And that certainly hasn't been Clemson. And you, you're right. Their defense has, you know, only allowed 2.4 yards per carry, only allowed Notre Dame 88 yards on the ground. They've only allowed one touchdown, uh, from the run since early November. But again, they're going to see. Now, I will say at Clemson, and you could see this on the Clemson uh, players uh, this week, they're not intimidated at all, right? I mean, basically Alabama's on their schedule now. So they're not intimidated at all about having to go up and play Alabama, which clearly works in their favor. I think a lot of teams come in and they're just shell-shocked at the idea of going up against the Tide. And that's not the case here, and certainly not the case for this offensive line, if you want to switch it back to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Hyatt might be the only uh, their left tackle. He might be the only one who made first team all ACC. But the the rest of them pretty much all made second team. This is a good offensive line. They're not going to be intimidated at all by this Alabama defense.
2: Russ Mitchell, College Football News on your radio right now on the Farm Bureau phone line. Russ, when Ole Miss hosted Alabama way back in September, I was on the sideline, (laughs) and I was trying to get just a little nugget of information, something that I could use from one of the Alabama ball boys, you know, the guys that, that throw the ball in on, after every single play. And it was really complimentary when I asked. I was like, which one of these running backs is really the best? Nick Saban had even gotten to these guys. They were like, well, I mean, you see which one's starting. I was like, yeah, okay, that's not what I was asking. You see these guys in practice every day. The, the combination of Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs and Najee Harris, I mean, you talk about an embarrassment of riches – and none of them have been used a lot. Is one of those three the difference maker for Alabama?
1: Oh wow, that's a great question. <laughs> you know, I mean I I think one of them is gonna stand up. It, like they ran the hot hand in Jacobs against Oklahoma. Uh, that might not necessarily be the case. Oklahoma's defense is very different than uh, Clemson's defense. It might turn out that Harris is the better—you know—one of the Harris twins is better <laughs> running the ball here. I, 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 think that what makes this team special offensively is the fact that, for example, they have a Balitnikov wide receiver, uh, a Balitnikov award-winning wide receiver, and he's just one right? I mean, the fact that you can't pick out which of these all of these running backs are going to play in the NFL, all of them. And, you know, they pretty much just go from one to the other, so when the fourth quarter comes around, they're very fresh. And I think that'll be the difference. Clemson doesn't have that up in their rushing attack.
2: And I talked last week with Ryan Brown from WJOX in Birmingham about uh-huh. this. You mentioned receivers a second ago. So so you've got Jerry Judy, who obviously won the Bolitnikoff Award. It feels like, though, in the past with Nick Saban teams, there's been one alpha receiver. It was Julio Jones, it was Calvin Ridley, it was Amari Cooper. They've got four guys, plus Irv Smith, if you want to want to count him. But, but you look at Judy, and you look at Ruggs, and you look at Devontae Smith, they've got... They, they are as elite at wide receiver as any team in the country this year. And I don't know that we knew that about Alabama coming into the season.
1: No, and Wild's the freshman of the year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean... And you know, and the other thing that's really unique about them is they're all different. It's not like they're the same type of receiver. I mean, they all have ridiculous speed, but they they all play a different kind of receiver, which means that it's just an embarrassment of riches for Tua. You know, I mean, he'll never have this. Tua will probably. Well, except for next year. <laughs> but uh, uh, Tua will, will probably never have this type of advantage ever again in his entire uh, playing career as a quarterback. And, you know, you could argue neither will they. We haven't even talked about him, but Tua, when he's healthy, is otherworldly. The fact that Cat didn't get the Heisman is a crime. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because he had my first pick. But, you know, when, when he's healthy, there's no – as good as this Lawrence guy is at uh, Clemson. When two is healthy, there's no one in America that's as good as you. All
2: right, what about the setting for this game? I, I know there are a ton of tickets that haven't been sold. You can get in for a couple of hundred bucks, maybe a little bit less if you find the, the right spot. Uh, are we making a mistake playing the college football national championship game in, in northern California?
1: See, this kills me. And you know the funny thing is I do shows all over the country and the only people that ask me this question are sure radio guys from the, from the south. You know. <laughs> well, no <laughs> we, no, now, hold it. on
2: now. I'm not I'm not arguing that you have to play it in New Orleans or Atlanta, but we were talking about it earlier. Somebody suggested Indianapolis. I mentioned Minneapolis, you know, a, a dome stadium, just somewhere where people give a damn about it.
1: Well, you know, I think that first of all, it's been the the Everyone's going to watch this game. This game is going to have good ratings. Agreed. So, but in t- in terms of like traveling to see this game, there—I don't even think Clemson fans and Alabama fans. I mean, there's a there is certainly fatigue over these two teams facing once again in the college football playoff and once again a national championship game. I think that. You know, I'm geeked about it. I think it's going to be fantastic. I think, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen two teams that, that distinguish themselves from the rest of the competition as great, as significantly as these two teams have. But, yeah, you know, I mean, and then, you know, the other thing, too, remember that that's just this year. You can't, five years from now, who knows, the USC might be reborn. You might have, you know, Uh, Stanford playing elite football again, and who knows, Chris might have things going back at Washington, and and suddenly, if we're going to have a national sport, you can't play every championship game in Phoenix, Dallas, New Orleans, and Miami.
2: We play the College World Series in Omaha every year, and it does just fine.
1: That's all. You know what? If you want to get rid of the private promoters who pay themselves a million dollars a year to run things like the Outback Bowl, and you want to get rid of all these bowl games and play it in one place, I'm perfectly fine with that.
2: Actually, I don't want to get rid of those guys. I want to be one of those guys.
1: Yes, exactly.
2: Russ, enjoy the game tonight. Take care. This is Russ Mitchell, College Football News on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, and that is Farm Bureau. Well, I see you. Hey, Dad, not coming right now. He's going to join us an hour from right now, 520. We'll have a Mississippi State women's basketball victory to talk about and get a little bit of a preview of what's coming up tomorrow night when Mississippi State opens SEC play on the road against the South Carolina team, who threw it the length of the floor over the defense, got a catch and a dunk for a road win against Florida. Kind of an exciting finish on uh, on Saturday. Uh, so that's who Mississippi State will be facing tomorrow night when it opens SEC play. Glad to have you along for the ride this afternoon. You can text the show 601-879-4395, 601-879. Eight seven nine four three nine five. That's the number for the C Spire text line. Is your phone a little rough around the edges? Well, there's a single place you can trust for all your phone repairs, and that is C Spire. C Spire. stores from Brandon to Tupelo are now certified phone repair locations. They can fix any problem on any device from any carrier. In most cases, while you wait, stop by today. C Spire, customer inspired. Borky is in the studio. Rippy is here with me. We are glad to have you along. Um, you guys want to do some winners and losers?
1: All I, all, I, all, I, all I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a
4: loser, baby.
1: We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Winner now.
2: Winners and losers. Ole Miss men's basketball goes on the road and gets the win against Vanderbilt on Saturday night. It was a solid win. Ole Miss moves up to uh, the mid-30s in the net rankings. Ken Palm's got them right around 40, which means they're very much within striking distance. They are within the, the, the shouting area of that bubble conversation. Now, let's tap the brakes on the idea of a bubble conversation on the 7th of January. You are one game into conference play. What does it mean, though? Well, it means that Ole Miss is pretty decent. They won their first road game of the year last season in March after Andy Kennedy stepped down in Tony Madlock's first game as the interim when they went to Missouri. This year they do it in their SEC opener and in a place that is traditionally difficult for road teams to win. Put the cart ahead of the horse or anything along those lines, but this is an Ole Miss basketball team that when its guards are playing well and it is getting some production from the post, and it's getting that, some production from the post, and is playing a modicum of defense, which it's doing, pretty decent basketball team. And they're certainly a team that's fun to watch. They had the winner's list also on the winner's list for me the Mississippi State women's basketball team. Yes, they've got the one setback on the road against Oregon a few weeks ago, but good grief, what a buzzsaw to start SEC play. They go on the road and they whip Arkansas. They come back home and they whip Kentucky. They're off to a 2-0 and start, and this is, once again, a legitimate national championship contending program under Vic Schaefer in Starkville. That's impressive. I know I'm supposed to do three winners, um Yankees re sign Zach Britton to a three-year deal. Three years, $13 million a year, 39000000 million. I'll put that in the winner's list. How about this? National championship games tonight. Even if you hate Alabama, it's the last college football game we've got again until August. So uh, I would think you would watch. I certainly will. That's my winner's list. Who wants to go next, Borky or Rippy?
3: I'll go, and piggybacking off of what you said, Ole Miss certainly belongs in the winner's list for their win over Vanderbilt, but how about the opening weekend of SEC basketball? We've been talking for a couple of years how the league is getting better, and well, Saturday we saw the SEC's best team play like the SEC's best team in a rout over Georgia. You saw the SEC's biggest brand get upset on the road, a pretty good game with Arkansas and Texas A&M, an upset, a buzzer-beating, full-court heave for South Carolina to beat Florida and then a really Mm -hmm. good game to close out your slate. That's just a really good, solid day of basketball, and the SEC has delivered, I think, on their want from a few years ago to make the league more competitive in basketball. If we get what we got Saturday, every week, I'll be locked into college basketball for the first time across the board, maybe in my entire life. It was that good on Saturday, and I only have two. Nick Foles, there's no explanation for why he's able to do it, but all he does is win. He does it in the biggest spots, on the biggest stages. You should write a song about that. <laughs>
2: DJ Borky! <laughs> oh, sorry.
3: But you're not kidding. All he does is win, 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 no matter what. Stop it. Seriously, though. I mean, it just, just it's it remarkable what he does.
2: Uh, I'm adding to mine, and I'm cutting into Rippy's time while I do so. Xander Shoffley. Who? Xander Shoffley, professional golfer. Yesterday in Maui at the, Kapalua, uh, the plantation course at Kapalua in the Tournament of Champions. 33 guys participating. Small field. Wins $1.3 million. Because he, he shot a final round 62 to win by a shot over Gary Woodland, who had read, led for each of the first three rounds. By the way, it's a par 73, so he was 11 under. He had a bogey on number one and he missed an eagle putt on 18. Could have pretty easily shot 60 and won by three. You've only got to win by one though to get the big check, and he got the big check yet. And that is some fantastic golf. Final round. On the back nine, an eagle on 12, a birdie on 14, a birdie on 15, a birdie on 17, and a birdie on 18. Six under coming in to win the
4: golf tournament. That's some playing. All right, Rippy, go ahead. I'll go Dak Prescott's bank account. Um, you know, say about what you want his limitations as a passer, whether they're going to pay him, whether they're not going to pay him. I think he's made a case to where it's impossible not to. I think Jerry Jones knows that. I think he's going to get a pretty lucrative deal from the Cowboys. Um, Really, regardless of what happens this weekend, I think it's already cemented. And on top of that, he gets his first ever playoff win while doing it. Um, My other one probably stay in the NFL would be Andrew Luck. Um, Really incredible comeback story. You know, a guy that didn't even know if he could throw footballs at some point this summer and how much, and now they've kind of the comeback story of the year in the NFL after a 1-5 start, and he is playing really well with... Receivers I couldn't name after T. Y. Hilton. Those are uh two pretty good ones. And yeah, Dak gonna get paid.
2: What level is he gonna get paid though? Is he gonna get Kirk Cousins money? Is he gonna get um I don't that if, is he going to get that type of money or is it going to be a mega contract that is a step below the mega mega deals?
4: They're going to ask, I think, for somewhere around twenty-six million a year. It would be a win for the Cowboys if he agreed in the eighteen to twenty range, because that would give him flexibility to do other things. But five years, hundred million. Yeah, but he's going to ask for somewhere around twenty-six to twenty-eight million dollars a year, don't you think, Borky?
3: Yeah, he's going to ask for it, and if the Cowboys are smart, they're not going to give it to him. I mean, the, the six highest-paid quarterbacks in the NFL this year missed the playoffs. It, you've got to do more than just pay big money for. Statistically, a pretty average quarterback. Yes, he was clutch this weekend. He was, and he's had those clutch moments. He was Rookie of the Year. He's been pretty good, especially for a mid-round guy, mid-to-late-round guy. But if Dallas is going to pay him north of $22 million, it's a mistake because they don't need to because nobody else is going to offer him that. So don't hamstring yourself on a big contract for a quarterback that cannot – Elevate teams to the level in which you need to justify paying him that much. That's what's happening in Detroit.
2: With, with Stafford, yeah. It, it creates inflexibility on your uh, on your roster. Um, loser's list. Borky said it was a great finish. I said it was a great finish, too. But Florida's got to go on the loser's list. One, you don't guard the inbounder. And two, you got two defenders in front of Chris Silva, and the pass was so good that you're not able to knock it over. You allow nobody to be between Chris Silva and the basket. Down a point, South Carolina is able to throw it 90 feet, maybe 88 feet, over two defenders, allow the biggest guy on the floor to catch it, turn with nobody between him and the basket, and dunk it with two seconds to go in the game. And then, by the way, South Carolina guarded the inbounds pass from Florida didn't give them a chance to do the same thing. So the Florida defensive setup falls in the loser's category.
3: Am I I missing anything else from a loser standpoint? The Baltimore Ravens offense, that's not sustainable in the NFL unless Lamar Jackson dramatically improves as a passer. It was good for a few games, as most running quarterbacks are good for a few games. And then teams start figuring it out. And the Chargers were the first team this season to see him twice. And look at what happened when the game actually mattered. Completely shut him down. So either needs to greatly improve or they're making a big mistake shifting their offense towards a runner because precedent shows, with few exceptions, that that doesn't work in the NFL. And I don't think it's going to this time either.
2: As an athletics director, Lynn Swan falls into the losers category. You can't block your offensive coordinator that you just hired from interviewing for a head coaching job in the NFL. You know what happens when you do that? Your recently hired offensive coordinator that you're trying to keep at all costs, he just quits. He's just going to go quit. And then interview for the head coaching job. Really bad decision-making by Lynn Swan as the AD at Southern Cal. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, and now on the Farm Bureau phone line, Brian Haydad. Hey, I'm curious. If you're watching coverage of a big game, national championship game, Super Bowl, uh, and really it's more than that. I mean, big regular season NBA game, you get it on the Sunday morning coverage of the NFL games. Do you like the shots of the players walking into the stadium, of the buses leaving wherever it is the the, the team hotel? I mean, you get the I and mean, we cover the three hours leading up to a big game. Like, every single thing matters. Do you like that stuff, or do you think it's completely silly?
0: It, it's a little silly. I'm, I'm not a huge fan. I mean, you know, here comes Nick. I mean, what, what, what is, is Saban going to give me something here? He's walking, oh, by the way, tonight, Jalen Hurts is starting. I mean, what, what is he going to tell me? So, no, I'm not a huge fan of that. I'll tell you what else I'm not a huge fan of. While we're you're letting old man Brian uh, rant here, mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of these on the field celebrations and bringing the confetti down and having the floats and I'm not a big fan. I miss the old days, especially. I miss the old days of you know everybody in the locker room and the champagne bottles are out and and you know they're they're dousing, you know Brent Musburger with champagne. That's what I, I liked. I like that a lot better than the corporate. You know, let's bring up the CEO of the company that's sponsoring this, even though he doesn't know a darn thing about football, so he can talk. I mean, it's just I'm not a big fan.
4: All
2: right. Uh, I don't mind confetti on the field. I don't think you really had champagne in the college football locker
0: Not room. in the college locker rooms no, but the pros you did. Well, they still do that. They do like a quick on field celebration but it's after, and then they you know, I want the I want the trophy presentation in the locker room. That's what I want.
2: I got you sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm Richard Cross Brian Haydad on the Farm Bureau phone line and Michael Bork in the studio. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com Mississippi Land Bank where they know the lay of the land. If you're looking to finance land of any kind in North Mississippi then Mississippi Land Bank is where you need to go. They've been financing land for over 100 years and um, they know what they're doing whether it's Farmland, if you're buying new farmland, maybe it's equipment for the farm, or maybe it's uh, refinancing an existing loan. Or maybe you're not a farmer. Maybe you're just uh, building a dream home on a piece of property. Then Mississippi Land Bank can help. It's what they do. It's what they've been doing for a very long time. At Mississippi Land Bank, you can find a branch location near you online at mslandbank.com, where they know the lay of the land.
0: How was your weekend? Great Fantastic. Every every everything I wanted it to be.
3: Good? Did you do I'm not
0: even I'm not even making that up. I had a, I had a really good weekend.
3: Did you do nothing and watch football for the entire weekend?
0: Pretty much. Uh, I got there I went go. to one I went to two basketball games. I think we're going to talk about the Mississippi State women a little later and uh, but more importantly for me, uh, the defending age 9-10 city champs of Starkville Advanced Collision Repair started the defense of their title uh, on uh, Saturday with a 20-10 to 10 win, and they are looking to repeat as city champions. And my daughter is on that team. One of my daughters. That's, uh, that's good. You said back-to-back city championships? They, they won last year. They're looking to repeat this year.
2: Nice. Nice. So
0: I'm excited. Um,
2: time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built for Tough. You can also find out about all the great deals that are going on at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. You can test drive one there today. New College Football Hall of Fame class has been announced, and it's a pretty good list. It's headlined by former Texas quarterback Vince Young. How good is that? And how good was he? If ever there should have been a college football Hall of Famer, his career at Texas has earned him the right to be in that group.
0: Absolutely, one of the best players of all time. I put, I would, if you, if you, you said, give me an all-time college football team. Vince Young is going to be my quarterback. I mean, you're going to give me, a, I can give you a good debate as to why he should be the guy.
2: Hmm. You get them at their best from college. Yeah. Ooh. Can Vince I mean, Young be your quarterback and Cam Newton be mine?
0: I mean, we're gonna have a fun game. You're going to yeah, win we we're, we're going we're gonna sell some tickets to that game, for sure. What, what okay.
2: Now I now I may get, kind of get weird at the debate because everybody thinks of Tim Tebow and kind of his failure in the NFL. Oh
0: no, no, and, no. And, As a and college forgets, player,
2: and forgets just how dominant the man was yeah. in
0: college. Yeah, he's in the debate. He's in the debate for sure. Any Anybody else that you would class. put in that debate? Danny Werfel would be in the debate. Completely uh,
2: different type player than those others. Completely three.
0: different type player, but, I mean, a, a Hall of Famer for sure. Oh, man. Peyton I mean, Michael Manning? Michael Vick. Michael Vick's in the in, in this class for me, in this group. Um, Does Peyton Manning go there? Yeah, he's got to be in there. Peyton's got to be in there. I mean – we're talking about college football, man, we could do. We could literally vote an entire week to hammer in this team out.
2: Listen to the rest of this class.
0: It's you know solid. When you start
2: going college football Hall of Fame classes, you're going to get, you know, four or five names that you go, oh, man, those are guys are great. And then you get a few that you're like, eh, well. So Vince Young, mm-hmm. Rocket Ishmael from Notre Dame, former Ole Miss linebacker Patrick Willis. Mm-hmm. Former Florida State defensive back Terrell Buckley, now an assistant coach at Mississippi State. Yeah. Oklahoma defensive back Ricky Dixon. Really good player. 84-87 at Oklahoma.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, John Carroll, London Fletcher.
0: I don't know about his college career. Great pro, though.
2: Uh, Jacob Green, defensive lineman from Texas Mm A&M. Torrey Holt
0: from NC State. Dominant in college. Dominant in the pros, too. Darren McFadden from Arkansas. Maybe in the top five running
3: backs in SEC history.
0: And Houston managed
3: to lose four games with him and Felix Jones and Peyton Hillis all on the same (laughs) team. Jake the Snake Plumber from
0: Arizona State. This is my question. How are these guys not already in? How's Plummer not in? What is the the, the criteria?
2: Southern Cal defensive back Troy Palomalu.
0: Again, dominant in college, dominant in the pros.
2: Wisconsin offensive lineman Joe Thomas. Uh,
0: maybe yes. I mean, the best left tackle of the last decade in the NFL.
2: Michigan State running back Lorenzo White. I don't remember much about
0: really him. Really good. I know I know a little bit about him. Really good football player.
2: How about some coaches? Yeah. Dennis Erickson, head coach at Idaho, Wyoming, Washington State, Miami, Oregon State, Arizona State couple of national titles in there. Joe Taylor, who was a head coach at Howard, Virginia Union, Hampton, and Florida A&M. So from the HBCU side of things. Yeah. Did I see that also the Goodyear blimp was being inducted yes, into the College Football that. Hall of yes. Fame?
0: Yes. Wow, Joe Taylor, 232-97 in his stops. Nothing wrong with that. Um... This is just an aside. My
2: my good friend Langston Rogers, who for a long, long time was the media relations director at Ole Miss, Yeah, he's been a, as far as media relations go in the state of Mississippi, he is up there as the best that's ever done it. And, and spent a bunch of time at Delta State and a bunch of time at Ole Miss. Langston, for years and years and years, has been very involved with the National Football Foundation and the College Football Hall of Fame. And I would say that Langston is is retired now and works part-time kind of in the archives part and still does some things around Ole Miss. But he's maintained those relationships. And obviously Archie Manning has a big role with the National Football Foundation as well. Langston Rogers has done as good a job as any media relations director in the country in promoting former Ole Miss players for the College Football Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you agree, disagree, or if that's just a kind of a side comment. But uh, almost all of the guys from Ole Miss that are deserving, mm-hmm. you know, whether they were in the '60s all the way through recent players, have been inducted at some point into the College Football Hall of Fame. Like Wesley Walls, just a couple of years ago. Patrick Willis, now Eli Manning's
0: there. Um, Patrick Willis is deserving too. Let me tell you, absolutely, he is. I, I told this story today. You'll hear it on tomorrow's podcast. But I was at that LSU game where he uh, pile drivered Justin Vincent into the ground. And Buddy, you, you have never seen a more—that's as vicious a tackle that that was clean as you'll ever see.
2: Yeah. Does that does that play get a penalty now?
0: <sighs> it might get a roughing. It might get, I mean, because I mean, he just picks him up and slams him to the ground. They might get him for unnecessary roughness. You, you might. <laughs> yeah. Which is yeah, just a maybe. shame. Which is just a shame.
2: Does that Jadavion Clowney hit against Michigan? Does that's that draw that, a penalty now?
0: That's targeting now. now. That's tar- Didn't he hit him with head
2: head-to-head? Yeah, maybe so. Yeah.
0: And that's one of the great plays of the last
2: decade and a half in college football that would just be yeah. erased. Yeah. All right. Hey, Dad, let's talk a little bit about the title game when we come back. We'll get into some Mississippi State basketball previewing tomorrow night and also looking back at yesterday's win over Kentucky for the Mississippi State women. That's when we continue in the Renaissance Bank studio. You want to text the show? You can do so on the Seaspire text line, 601 879 4395. Visit Seaspire this week and start 2019 off on a high note. Right now, by a top smartphone at Ceasefire, and get $750 off the second one. This offer ends, well, it's just ending. So we'll have a new offer coming for you. In the next couple of days, for more details, you can visit cspire.com. C Spire, customer inspired. Always a great deal going for you at C Spire. Brian Haydad is on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Favorites from Farm Bureau. So, Haydad, what's your take on the national championship game tonight?
0: I think it's going to be a good game. I think that you got two pretty evenly matched teams. They both have elite quarterbacks, which helps. Um, you know, I don't feel like as much as, as Saban is the best coach in college football. I think Dabo is number two, and, and you know it's not it's not that huge a a discrepancy. Um, so I, I, I like Alabama to win the game, but I think it'll be close. I think it'll be a good football game. Just like maybe not last year's game, but the two matchups prior when Clemson had an elite quarterback when they had Deshaun Watson last year, Kelly Bryant, good, not elite. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is an elite quarterback. He will be a top five, if not the number one overall pick in the draft when his time comes. Uh, But I'll take Alabama to win a close, exciting football game.
2: Let's see. Tua will be in –
0: he's draft eligible after next season. Right. Trevor Lawrence will be the following year, right? We should see the the 2020 and 2021 first picks in the draft tonight. Kind of crazy. Clemson a a five-and-a-half
2: point underdog in this game um he, he, is one of those two quarterbacks more elite than the other right now
0: it's gonna sound funny but i think lawrence is because he's just more prototypical nfl he's bigger got a little bit bigger arm too well, we're is not playing an nfl captain. game tonight though I, I know but we're talking about just for just from the quarterback position Tua is the better, probably going to be the better college quarterback, and Lawrence will probably be the better pro quarterback, if, if you want to put it that way. But if I had to pick one guy, I would probably pick Lawrence over Tua, believe it or not.
2: All right, star ratings for these two Long. teams on the rosters. Now, if you rewind, July, August, every year, we talk about the, the blue chip rating, which is the percentage of four-star and five-star players on a given team's roster at any given time. And, Borky, what's the rule? 50% or more of your roster has to be four- and five-star for you to even have a chance in the national championship?
3: Yes, there's never been a national champion that did not have at least half of its roster, a blue-chip prospect, four- and five-stars. And uh, to add to that, there has never been a national champion that did not have at least two top-ten classes entering that national championship season. Most of them have three top-ten classes entering that national championship season.
2: Well, both of these teams check both of those boxes. Alabama on this roster. No, 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 not the roster. Just in the starting lineup. Just in the starting lineup. Nine five-star and 12 four-stars. And then there's one three-star mixed in for good measure.
0: Now, Clemson, not too shabby themselves. Do we know? Is it Josh Jacobs? Are we counting him as a starter? Who's the... I can stars? I can pull them up for you if you'd like me to. Yeah, if you don't mind. Yeah, I want to know who it is.
2: For Clemson, five five stars,
0: eight four stars, mm-hmm. and eight three stars. Right. Clemson has just sort of – I mean, they've recruited really, really well. They've just broken through into that elite level. I keep using that word. Uh, I feel like PFT commenter here. Commenter. I can't even say that word now. Pervs uh, Smith, the tight
3: end. Thank you. Was Smith, the oh, yeah. three star. Okay,
0: uh, he's really who's good. an
2: NFL player, by the way.
0: Yeah, yeah, he'll play in the NFL. So you know, yeah, Clemson a little less on the talent than Alabama, but I mean, it's 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 negligible, really. It really is. Plus, 14, Clemson four has five star players in this game. Fourteen in the starting lineup. You know how many five star players MSU had? One. Jeff Simmons. So when he leaves, now that he's gone, there are none on that roster. Ole Miss had what? Little and Benito Jones are five stars. Was DK Metcalf a five star?
2: Was AJ Brown not? On rivals, was not. He, was he, was, not. he was.
0: a really high four star.
2: Okay. Wow. It
0: goes to about? show you. I mean, you talk about how do you how do you close the gap between your program and Alabama? Go recruit. You you have to have players
2: wait does does are are you allowed to go recruit if you're not alabama or georgia
0: i, I mean i don't know are are Based you allowed down. to go get four and five star players i think you are are you i think so I know what you're trying i know what i see what you're trying to do cross i see well, what's no, trying I'm, to happen i'm here. just i'm just saying i'm just saying
2: because because it seems to me that when you're not one of the the programs that's sitting at the big boy table yeah, and you mm-hmm. try to kind I, of pull a chair up you're you're I,
0: I pretty see, quickly sent to the
2: say, to the timeout room.
0: I get what you're trying to do here. I get what you're trying to make me say, but I'm just saying you're allowed. How many? How,
2: how, how many did you say Mississippi State had? One. And where was he from? Knox County. Okay, so you can get away with that. That that's one you can get away with. When when you got one in your own backyard, you, you can, can get away get with
0: that. Yeah, absolutely.
2: But if you have to go out to get one. Or two or three, yeah. Then eyebrows eyebrows. seem to get
0: get raised.
2: You're catching on. So, in reality,
0: can you go out and get players or not? Well, you look at Mississippi this year. If one of if State or Ole Miss had signed Dean Pickering, Turnage, Cross, Moore, I mean, you got them all. Yeah. You got you got a chance then. That's that's the kind of class that could compete with Alabama. Down the so road so I, so
2: no eyebrows would have been raised if either Ole Miss no. or Mississippi no, State got so. all of those guys, all of them.
0: I, because, no, I don't. When I, Alabama I
2: think, and Georgia and Auburn, have,
0: I mean, getting them all, getting them all would probably be the pipe dream. But if you look at the top ten, if State or Ole Miss had gotten eight, nobody says anything.
2: Other than each other.
0: Yes. Well, of course. That, that goes without saying.
2: See, I just, um, I don't, I don't agree with you on that.
0: Okay,
4: well,
0: I'm just saying.
2: And, and I feel like I've got a little bit of proof in my back pocket to uh, to, to bring along well, the conversation. Proof,
0: I need you to email me at. No, never mind.
3: Oh, I see where you're going there. There is a protected <laughs> class in college football. I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah. Tennessee um, belongs in that protected class. What have they done? They've done nothing. And yet they can sign top fifteen classes, mostly comprised of players that aren't from Tennessee it, and nobody bats an eye.
2: You know, here's the interesting thing to me about Clemson's emergence. Yeah. Is that Clemson, when Dabo Sweeney got that job, was not part of the elite of college football. I'm using your word now. Yeah. And they have won themselves and recruited themselves into
0: that. It's been gradual. Yeah. And they were in the 80s and 70s, they were a a very solid program. Before Florida State joined the ACC, Clemson was the big dog on the block there. They won a national title in 1981. Danny Ford. So, I mean, they had, you know, what happened after they won that title? Nothing really. I mean, it's. They they kept winning. ACC Wait, did Danny Ford leave like on his own, or did he get in trouble? Danny Ford, did he leave? I, that, I don't know the answer to that. They probably knowing Danny Ford, he probably got in trouble.
2: Yeah. Well.
0: So I mean, like I said, in the eighties, Clemson was pretty good. Then they just sort of they fell off for a good bit there, and then sort of came back. And and Clemson
2: is a place that has got you know big stadium, big fan base plenty of resources incredibly passionate fan base Big but you
0: got have the right guy. nearby as well yeah they have a huge recruiting base to draw from and their yeah. their booster club is huge huge Ip-tay. Iptay. I pay 10 a year and a lot of people pay a whole lot more than 10 a year yeah, but basically they
2: do, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean basically the idea is that if you go to school at Clemson before you leave you sign a pledge form that says you'll pay 10 a year Ten dollars. That's all they're trying to do is get you in the door and get you in the habit of giving. Yeah, and it has worked exceptionally well for them through the years. Um, it's an interesting model. But but no, I I mean it is fascinating to me that Clemson was not part of that college football blue
3: blood pipeline a decade ago. It it took Dabo a long time to build that. He almost got fired. He was yeah. one loss away from getting fired. So it took him a while. I would say
0: Clemson was, a, was in the second tier.
3: They were in the tier below the
0: elite teams prior to this. But race.
2: they lost five games in a row to South Carolina.
0: They did, when South Carolina was on top. You know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Good to uh, be with you on this, um, this Monday afternoon. National Championship game coming your way tonight. You can text the show on the C Spire text line. You can also tweet us at Sports Talk, M I S S.